0: Hello and welcome to the Christ Fellowship weekly podcast. At Christ Fellowship, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and His purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit ChristFellowship.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from Lead Pastor Jamie Miller. Hey, good morning, everybody. All right. Uh, Yeah, I'll go ahead and do that. Is anybody, uh, am I like the only person, I didn't know that ragweed was like a big deal. It's a big deal. It has been a rugged five days. Uh, Actually, it sounds better than it did in first service, so that's good. Um, Y'all know what I'm talking about? Am I the only? (laughs) Okay, let's see. I do want to make a plug uh, just to let everybody know. Uh, I am looking for 50 folks who would be uh, bold volunteers to go from second service to first service. There's a little more room there in first service. And you're going to just go ahead and be bold and ask. I mean, you have not because you asked not. So uh, maybe there's 50 volunteers that would do that. There's a little more space. And if we can get a little bit more just balance between the services, we're going to be able to make it through the fall. And that's going to be awesome. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 1, verse 14. And today we're going to be talking about We're going to be talking about another message in this series that we've been calling The Life-Giving Church. And this one's going to be called A House of Prayer. A House of Prayer because A Life-Giving Church, the Life-Giving Church that we read about in the book of Acts, and that's what we're going for. When we see this church, you know, the church that's marked by the life and the love and the joy and the mission of Jesus, it's the church like we read about in the book of Acts. And down through the years, no matter how many times I say that, I mean, people's heads starts nodding. When I say, why can't we see church life like we read about in the book of Acts? That's what we're trying to do. That's how we got this whole church thing started all those years ago. And why not? You know, let's believe for that. So what I want to do is I want to pull... Do you realize corporate prayer is happening all through the book of Acts? It really is. You see it over and over and over again. I'm going to highlight a few of those, make a few points, tell a few stories, and call us to it today. So in Acts chapter 1, you know, they joined together, verse 14, constantly in prayer. That's them praying corporately together, along with the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In Acts 2, the passage that we looked at last week, says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to Prayer. prayer. They were devoted in this whole thing. In Acts chapter 4, they'd just been threatened by the Sanhedrin. Peter and John were threatened. They go back to the believers. They all gather together. And what do they start doing? They have a prayer meeting. They pray, Sovereign Lord, stretch out your hand. Do wonders. Release your power. Do miraculous signs. Bring healing to the people. They pray these big prayers. And God moves. The place was shaken. They are filled with the Holy Spirit again. And then they go out and speak the Word of God boldly. Y'all tracking with me? Another one, Acts 12. Peter's put in jail. They're going to kill him. Herod's going to kill him. But the church gathers together and starts praying for his release. He's ultimately released by angels. The prison doors fly open. And he goes to the prayer meeting, the very place where they were praying. And maybe you remember the story, but this girl doesn't let him in at first. She goes back and tells everybody, hey, Peter's here. No, he's not. They all go out there and they let him in. They're overjoyed. You know, so Acts 13, the next chapter, it's a a, a prayer of uh, where... Where people are being, they're praying because missionaries are being sent out. So that's a great time for corporate prayer. One more time I'll mention is in Acts 16, uh, Paul and Silas, they had gotten a word to go to Europe. And so the Lord says, Go over there, they had a vision of the Macedonian man. And so they go to Europe, they go to Philippi, and they're looking for a place to pray corporately together. Now, I'm running through those quickly. I'll come back and I'll touch on them in just a minute. But the deal is, you know the Lord is calling us not just to individual prayer, but to pray together in groups. There's something wonderful that happens when we pray together as brothers and sisters. It's like when we come together like this and our hearts are looking up to Jesus, looking up to the Father, Son, and Spirit, when we're looking up like that, it's like we are drawn together as well. And not only do we have fellowship with God, but we have fellowship with each other. And it's part of how we bear God's image in community together. Does that make sense? See, so there's part we can only do when we're coming together praying. So I'm, I'm calling us to it. Um, you know, this church, Christ Fellowship, was literally birthed out of a corporate prayer time. You know, years ago, long ago and far away. Scroll scroll, history reel. Long ago and far away. So when we started, we were like, uh, we were just gathering for prayers. A bunch of us gathering for prayer And we'd pray every Friday night for about three or four hours. And the Lord started doing crazy stuff, answering our prayers is what he was doing. Not not crazy stuff. He was just answering our prayers. And in that process, we learned that God is a God of power that answers prayer. We were praying for Susie or whoever, you know, to to get healed, and then we come back together. You know, Susie, she got better. And slowly over time, it wasn't instantaneous, but we were like, God answers prayer. God heals the sick. God makes things right when we pray. It was like we were connecting the dots. And out of that prayer meeting, we started this church. And we wanted to be the church like we read about in the book of Acts. And so corporate prayer is a key part of that. You know, as I think even more about our story, there's been several distinct seasons. One was a season where we were praying at our house on Tuesday nights for seven years. We prayed for we prayed the kingdom prayer. That's, that's basically all we prayed. We prayed other stuff, but I mean... That was the heart of what we were praying. <coughs> and uh, it was that God, Father, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We'd pray that in so many different ways and manifestations. And I mean, God came during those times. We landed here in Fort Worth a number of years later. And we were praying for seven years. We, we prayed all kinds of things about Fort Worth. One of the things we prayed was for the building. Because for 16 years... We didn't have a building. We were just the mobile church. You know, it wasn't about that. We wanted to be church like we read about in Acts 2 house to house, temple courts. All we needed was a place to meet. But, excuse me, sorry. <clears throat> really bad would be leaving the mic on. <laughs> Not pleasant. <laughs> Clipping speakers, harsh, awkward sound. So, uh, what was I saying? The building, yeah. So what happened was we we had to learn how to together start praying for this. I mean, we had, uh, for all those years we were mobile, we had a t- a special forces. These were the guys that did the setup. Chairs, tables, sound systems. All that stuff had to be set up every single week. Special forces, Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, and Delta. Four teams that we bribed with burritos and fellowship. Come <laughs> do this thing. But I mean, by the end, they were going hey, we'll double our tithe. We'll, we'll just, can we like land someplace and have a home base for this church? So that's been part of the journey, part of the story, you know, just thinking back about things that have happened. But, you know, one of the things that's been so important for us as a church has been seasons of prayer and fasting and, uh, get an amen out there. Y'all just just shot me down on prayer and fasting. (laughs) And, uh, but I mean, since the beginning of the church, we'd have two big seasons of prayer and fasting each year. So one in the beginning, beginning of the year, one about midway. We're actually doing this, this one in October. And many of you guys have learned about prayer and fasting by having some other people that were doing it. And it, it just, it gives you strength or a little bit of grace or vision to jump in and do something maybe you've never done before. I encourage you in that, October 9th, 10th, and 11th. The three days before that, we're going to be at Awaken in Washington D.C. A number of people from this church and from the other thirty Antioch U.S. churches, we're going to be going to Washington D.C. doing this thing called Awaken the Dawn and praying for our nation, praying for our nation. And then, and then we're going to be the three days after that, praying and fasting as a movement of churches here in the U.S. And then we're going to have a big prayer night rally on Wednesday. Wednesday night, and we may even do some simulcast stuff with some of the other churches and join in on that. I mean, that's going to be great. So I'm casting a little bit of uh, vision for that even now. But the word of the, 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 word of the Lord for the year for us uh, as a movement has been, Lord, anybody remember? Teach us, Teach us to pray. And so anytime you have that kind of a word, that's like an invitation. Whenever you get a word like that, it's like an invitation to jump in, to to join in, to say, Lord, give me a learner's heart about prayer. I want to learn. I want to grow. This is a big part of the entire story of who we are as a church. You can't separate it from what is happening in the place of prayer. For us, we've always said there's two realities. One is in the place of prayer, and then the other is when it happens. One is when we get a hold of something, and it's like, oh, yes, yes, Lord, yes. And you know when you're getting a hold of something, it's like everybody's saying, Amen, Lord, do it. You know, there starts to be some veins sometimes even. And But it's, it's like we get a hold of it there, and then it becomes reality. So today, I'm talking about a house of prayer. Lord, make us a house of prayer. We want to be a, a house of prayer uh, for the Lord. Just, uh, Jesus says that He wants His temple, now His people, To be a house of prayer. And in the Isaiah 56 verse 7 passage, there is a promise for joy. I will give my people joy in my house of prayer. Who wants in on that? There's joy in the place of prayer. And so when when we gather, the Lord is saying, I'm with you. I'm right there with you. When you gather two or more, I'm with you in the place of prayer. And I want to answer your prayers. I want you praying prayers that stop things around you from happening. And I, I want you to pray prayers that loose things. Loose the kingdom. Bind the work of the enemy in the name of Jesus. So there's these great promises that are associated with us coming together and praying. It's just really, uh, it's really important. It, it's a mystery to me. I'm going to go ahead and just say this. There is part of this I don't understand. Just straight up. God's sovereign. God could have already done everything but he chose to connect his will being done on the earth to men and women praying. Somebody say, wow, that's, that's wild. But he does. He says, I want you to pray. I want you to bind things. I want you to loose things. And I promise when you ask in the name of Jesus, I'm going to do it. My father will do it. Huge promises, huge blessings that are there just waiting for us. You know, and the, the deal is, if it's so much, if it's so good, if it's so much blessing promised, why would we not all just be jumping in and running to the prayer meeting? Well, I got a few ideas. You guys probably have some too. But I mean, one of them would be, how about the flesh? Now the flesh wants to, you know, you give the flesh an inch. He's like this guy that's, you know, he just, you give him an inch and he's like, rawr, Right? You know, he's supposed to be diminished over here. You know, we're still in the flesh, but but we're living by the life of Jesus. But we give our flesh an inch, he takes a mile, right? Or she, that that old man. That's what I'm talking about. And so, um, you know, there's these things that it could be like, uh, here's an idea on, on the flesh. It's like the flesh thinks, if I'm just doing, 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 then I'm getting more done than if I were just praying, 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 praying. So there's this, there's this thing about us that associates action with getting things done and devalues, therefore, coming together to pray. Make sense? So there's that flesh thing. What, other, some other di- what hinders us? Pride. Pride hinders us because we say, I don't need to actually pray to God, I'm gonna be okay in my prayerlessness. I'm going to be OK without praying and asking God about that stuff. So pride would be one. man, you guys are amening right now. Pride <clears throat> uh, Selfishness. Would be another one. Get a glory, glory wave from somebody out there. So uh, selfishness, or insecurity. Why would insecurity hinder me from praying? Help me out, somebody. What's that? don't think we're good enough or we can't do it right or we're not going to pray the right prayers or something like that. Insecurity. What's another big one? Reason why we don't pray. Unbelief. Absolutely. Unbelief. So, if I don't believe that the Lord is going to answer His promise to us to answer prayer, then I'm going to be finding myself praying less and depending on myself more rather than coming together. Whatever the context is, and again, I'm... You know, we talk about private prayer all the time around here, but I just want to touch on the corporate dynamic. You know, coming together, praying together, there's just something wonderful that happens when we pray together. It's even like there's fellowship with God that we can only experience in prayer. There's fellowship with each other as we're coming together, turning toward God, but we're turning toward each other. I want to hear Ben's prayers. When we're in a prayer meeting together, I want to hear what God is praying through him. It's like prayer meetings are like a thin place between heaven and earth where where if we're expecting to hear the the will of the lord and praying his kingdom prayers his heavenly will on the earth then we can expect we can expect to actually hear god speaking through one another that's why when i'm in a prayer meeting i rarely am there without my journal or my phone open to notes where i can take notes because i want to hear what it, what people are saying what people are praying does that make sense Okay, so um, here's the main thing I'm trying to get at today. If I could just boil it into one sentence, it's this. God's inviting us. There's an invitation here to a lifestyle of prayer together that facilitates relationship with God and with others and expresses the will of heaven on the earth. Anybody in for that? So we want this. Lord, what does a house of prayer look like? What does this lifestyle look like? And I touched on a few of those stories. I want to go back and touch on the verses again. But it looks like these six different things. We'll move through these quickly. The first one, constant prayer. It looks like constant prayer. Acts chapter 1, verse 14. They all join together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with His brothers. So, Constant prayer is going to be like ongoing. Hey, we're we're finding ways to pray, no matter what the context that we find ourselves in. That's what it looks like. That's what it looked like for them, and that's what it's going to look like for us now. Not just that we're not just that we're uh, uh, that we're always in a prayer meeting, but that we're looking for the context to pray in. You know, so it could be myself I'm praying, or it could be me and Kim praying together. You know, in making sure that we're praying, it could be our families making sure that our families pray together. You know, and even as I give this exhortation to pray together, uh, even as families, just I want to just say, we got college parents here, we got parents of younger kids, all different kind of seasons in the journey, but it's never it's never too late. And don't don't feel condemnation in hearing this, but go, hey. I, I didn't do it back there, but I want to I want to learn. I want to grow in the grace of praying. There's there's hope. Just want to speak hope, not anything other than that in this whole thing. So constant prayer, learning to pray in life groups, learning to pray in youth when the youth is coming together, when the college is together, learning to pray, learning how to pray and say amen. You know those those prayers of uh, one of the older. Uh, translations there on this verse, Acts one fourteen says, they prayed together in one accord, in one accord. So crazy good stuff happens when we're in agreement. When Kim and I are in agreement, it's better than when we're not. And so prayer is part of how that happens. You know, and the same thing is true for whatever the area, the family, the different areas of ministry within the church, we want to be praying in agreement. And even if every voice can't be heard in a prayer meeting, let's say there's 20 people praying, one person's praying at a time, let's say, but the others are going, yes, Lord, amen. Or at least when it's something you can say, yes, Lord, and amen, right? Does that make sense? Yes. So that's, it's not a prayer meeting unless everybody's kind of engaged and in the, in the, in the process, you know? And it's like, you know, when you're, you're on something and you've struck gold, man, I mean, that's, that's when everybody's going, well, yes, Lord, right on, amen, whatever the way you express that, that, that is, and when you've been praying, and there's not amens going, and you've just been going on and on and on and on, and, no, and it's like that may be time to push the clutch in, and kind of back up a little bit, and let somebody else in at the table, you know, I, I always kind of imagine it like, corporate prayer is like a big, you got a big bowl of fruit, and you don't just go, ah, this is kind of all mine, <laughs> But instead, you grab a few bites, you pray a prayer, you back away from the table and let somebody else get in there, and then you say amen to their couple of grapes they're popping in their mouth. Is this metaphor working for anybody? Okay. So constant prayer. Jesus says, if you're there, two of you or more, and you agree, I'm there with you, and amen, it's going to happen. Okay? So promise of answered prayer. The second one. This house of prayer is going to be marked by constant prayer, but also devoted prayer. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. Okay, so devotion then is about intensity. It's about being wholehearted. It's when someone is devoted, they care. It matters. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's meaningful. It's passionate sometimes. And so, Lord, would You make us learners in the area of devoted prayer. And the way I picture this, I, I heard an Indian brother uh, one time, uh, Zach Poonin, say it's like you're carrying a burden. So it's like you pick up a box and devoted prayer, passionate prayer with burden, is like you're, you know, you're kind of walking across the room with something. You're, you're carrying something that's got to be prayed out. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so five minutes of prayer with burden... Is better than one hour of just kind of hem hawing around. And Lord, would you just maybe kind of might possibly kind of do something over there? That would be good. Amen. You know, that, you know, he's looking so, so passionate devotion in prayer is when it matters to us. Lord, would you do this in the name of Jesus? Lord, would you move in our city? Lord, would you move on our campus? Lord, would you move in my workplace in the name of Jesus? Lord, bring the walls down in the name of Jesus. So, it's, you know, part of this is just that we are, there's a, a believing in all of this that the Lord wants us praying. He is waiting for us to pray so that He can answer our prayers. I kind of imagine it sometimes. I imagine it sometimes is like there's this massive warehouse of all of the things that the Lord wants to pour out into our lives. Blessing. Just all of these things that He's wanting to do but He's just waiting on us. It's part of how we grow up. He's waiting on us to have the fellowship with Him, the growth with Him, the looking to Him, the praying to Him, to being with our brothers and sisters and asking for these things so that He can just pour out all of this blessing into our lives. All the things that He's wanting to do. Saving people. Making things right. All of these things. So the the third one then. That's the second one. you got constant prayer. Devoted prayer. The third one then for a house of prayer is powerful prayer. In Acts chapter 4, one of my favorite prayer scenes in the Bible, Peter and John have just been persecuted by the Sanhedrin, threatened that if they don't stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And so on the release, Peter and John went back, this is verse 23 of chapter 4, they go back to their own people. They reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when, the, when, the, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, You made the, the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of Your servant, our father David. And they quote Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage, the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather against the Lord and against His anointed one. And indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against Your holy servant Jesus whom You anointed. They did what Your power and will had decided beforehand would happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable Your servants to speak Your word with great boldness. Stretch out Your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of Your holy servant Jesus. And after they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and went out and spoke the word of God boldly amen that's a powerful prayer you know so what all's in that i mean the things that are marked by god's power people being healed things made right Uh, signs and wonders and and you know what there's none of us nobody's just so isolated that you don't see a need for god's power to be moving in your sphere of influence we all have situations they're going to come up this week where you need the power of God. Every single one of us, where we need to see somebody healed or something made right or something from God, a touch for them that would make things right in this broken place of our humanity. Somebody help me. I mean, that's, that's why they're praying like this. And it starts because of a need. Something happened. And, and you guys, there's so many things in our lives that where something happens and it moves us. It's like something happens over here, and it pushes us. It, if, if we'll let it, it moves us into the place of prayer, and we don't play, pray wimpy prayers, but we start praying prayers with burden. prayers of power, prayers that matter. You know, uh, I'll save that for the next this little thought here, but um, so there, th- these powerful prayers uh, I remember uh, years ago. We were in a prayer meeting, and we said, it was right at the end of the year, and we said, okay, let's write down on a p- big, long sheet of paper everybody that we know that needs Jesus, that needs to be saved, needs, needs Jesus' grace and life. And so we, I mean, I, there was a bunch of us in the prayer meeting, so we wrote down names, and it went like, it was, I don't know, 15 feet on a sheet of paper. And so we taped it up at the top of our living room, right up near the ceiling, and it comes out all the way down the wall and out onto the floor. Say Names. And so we started praying. We walk around in the prayer meeting like this, Lord. And then every now and then, we get on a flow where we'd pray for these names on this list. And that next year, we saw every single week of the year, someone off that list get saved. I mean, for the whole year, someone off that list. And so we'd scratch their name off, you know. And by the end of that next year, all these lines you know, just they still mattered to God. It just, they weren't praying for them to come to know Jesus like that. But I mean, isn't that awesome? So that's powerful prayer. The next piece is delivering prayer. house of prayer is, is marked by delivering prayer. So this is Acts 12. Acts 12, Peter's arrested. They're going to kill him. Straight up. And what does the church do? Verse 5, So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. So what ends up happening is the angel, they're praying, the angel delivers him. He ends up at the house, and I told you the story, but the, the girl comes to the door. She's like, uh, it's Peter. She runs in to tell everybody she doesn't let him in, and then they all kind of finally let him in. He tells them to calm down. Now, if you've ever had something happen where someone needed to be delivered and earnestly, what are you going to do? You're going to do what they did. You're going to gather for prayer. We had somebody speaking yesterday at Bros and Burritos, and they've been dear friends for the last almost 20 years. And uh, Bros and Burritos, can I just get a shout-out for that? That's some serious good food. Some testosterone or whatever. Just a bunch of guys being together. It's good. But uh, this brother, uh, he was in the Middle East, and he got arrested. And so when we found out that he and his wife were in prison... We asked. We just gathered together and we said, "Lord, would you set Chris and Rebecca free in the name of Jesus, Lord? See them released. We ask for your power to be released. Release them from this prison cell in Jesus' mighty name." And two weeks later, it was a crazy miracle of how God released them. They actually got to leave the country. They're not welcome back there anymore. But but it it happened. You know, in answer to prayer. Uh, I remember when Dana Curry and Heather Mercer, this is now this is going way back, some of our missionaries from our sister church in Waco, they were arrested, and this was before 9-11, about a month before by the Taliban for sharing the Jesus uh, film with, a, with an Afghan family. And Af- this is Afghanistan. And immediately when we heard, as our Tuesday night prayer meeting was just going, so we said, Lord, would you deliver Heather and Dana in Jesus' mighty name? Lord, set them free and if you know the story, over the course of the next few months, we're all praying like crazy. And I remember where I was, driving on the service road, 121 South by Glade Road, and I hear on the radio, Heather and Dana have just been released and rescued by special forces. And I mean, I'm like, goosebumps. and I'm like, yes, God! In my car alone, you know, just praising God. And spontaneously down in Waco, everybody heard the news and they gather at the church. CNN is there, all these different news news deals, TV, uh, news outlets. and the next morning they're just praising God and all this stuff. and the next morning, front page news all around the country, New York Times, LA Times, all, all around the country. it's our brothers and sisters down in Waco just praising God, thanking the Lord for delivering Heather and Dana. That's delivering prayer, right? And so but it's not just I mean any of us get thrown in prison, we're going to pray. If I get thrown in prison, you pray. Call a prayer meeting. Pray. But, you know, a lot of times in the U.S., it's, it's not that. It's more just, man, we need spiritual deliverance like crazy. We need people to be set free from bondages. And, and whether it's a Sunday morning ministry time, I mean, it could be as simple as that where we're just saying, Lord, would you bring a breakthrough? Lord, would you bring a breakthrough? Help them to move past this bondage area and into a new place of liberty and freedom and deliverance. I mean, who doesn't want that? I mean, I want all that stuff gone, and I want to walk in freedom. And who doesn't? And so we can pray those kinds of prayers. A house of prayer is marked by delivering prayer. The next one is sending prayer. Sending prayer. That just means... In Acts 13, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And after they had fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and they sent them out. And so that happens around here all the time. It's regularly happening. We've sent out hundreds of people to plant churches, to be missionaries, different parts of the world. Love seeing my favorite Slovenian church planters here this morning, by the way. Hallelujah. And... Uh, different parts of the world and uh, you know it's just been a joy and so sending prayer is a part of a praying church a life-giving church is a praying church and part of that's going to be if we're life-giving multiplying reproducing Christ manifesting church then there's going to be times where we actually reproduce the fruit of a healthy church isn't just individual disciples it's other churches right I'm going to spend a whole week on that in a couple weeks so get, get ready all right. So the last one then is proactive prayer. A house of prayer is marked by proactive prayer. In Acts 16, Acts 16, Paul's gotten the call to go to Europe. They go to Philippi, and this is the proactive part. In verse 13, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate, where we expected to find where we expected to find a place of pra- a place of prayer. So we go outside the city gate. Now. Why is it they go to the river, they're expecting to find, that's going to be the prayer meeting place? I don't know. But what I'm saying here is we need to be looking proactively for those places of prayer in our lives as well. So, you know, they end up planting the church, leading Lydia to the Lord, her and her household. Then she says, come to my house. So that's where they kind of started. The Philippian church is started in Lydia's house, right? Everybody tracking? People get upset. They get thrown in jail At midnight, Paul and Silas are doing just like we would be doing, praising God and praying, right? Having a prayer meeting. And they're praising God. And then there's an earthquake. The jail doors are open. The jailer's going to throw himself on his sword. Paul says, don't do it. And he goes, what do I do now to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus. You and your household, you'll be saved. And he and all his family believed, and they were baptized that very night. That all happened because they were looking for a place of prayer is that cool? I, just, I, I love that. All started, you know, so translating that for us now, it's like what's that going to look like for us to keep looking for the place of prayer ourselves? Now, here, here's the way I want to finish. I want to wrap this up by, by saying this. What would it be like if we brought this to every level of the church? Just every level of our lives. So as a personal, as, as a person, I want to be praying. I want to be getting up and meeting with the Lord. But then as a a husband, I want to be praying with Kim. I feel like the Lord's, even in this doing this, the Lord's calling me to kind of re-up on some stuff with prayer with her. And and we we love to pray. You know, and it's just, but I feel like a fresh kind of re-up, you know, in this season on on prayer with her. And so in our marriages, in our families, and I said this earlier, but I want to encourage you guys, man, pray. You know, come here a second, Kim. When we first I'll give it up for Vanna. So when we first started praying together, that was easy, wasn't it? It's was just a piece of cake, right? It's hard. It was hard. Because there's spiritual warfare associated. what does the devil not want us to do together? He didn't want us, he doesn't want us praying in what God has for us. And so, you know, there's like there's warfare associated with us laying down, like, here, here's one thing that happens. Like, maybe I'm feeling really spiritual one day, you know, and we get in a little tense kind of thing, and I'm going, well, we need to just, we need to stop having this argument, and we need to pray. And she's like, oh, yes, Jamie, we, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it, it, like, that's reality, you know? And so talking through that and getting over the hump of how are we actually going to pray together doing the same thing as a family not in the moment not teachy, not dropping your voice and saying it lower and more distinctly <laughs> speaking from experience here just doesn't work you know well i said that we're gonna pray now sound like john wayne <laughs> so the point is there's resistance there's spiritual warfare at the point of us praying together Okay, y'all give it up for Vanna. So here's the thing. Every person, every marriage, every family, every life group, vision for us as a church, every life group, every discipleship group, when we meet, we're praying. Um, Every meeting. How many meetings happen in and around Christ Fellowship? I mean, not just life groups and discipleship, but think about it. Ushers. What else? Elders. Staff, worship, college nights, encounter nights. So every time we meet, mixing in prayer together. Every That's the vision. Every single time. What would happen if we did this and became even more, this is our history, but becoming even more the praying church that God is calling us to be? A house of prayer. We want to make it hard to be lost in the city of Fort Worth. We want to make it hard to be blind and in, 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 in not seeing Jesus. We want to make it hard to be without hope and without life and without the love of God flowing in and through all the people of this city. And here's the deal we will change the world. And when we pray then God gets the glory for all the things that we're doing. And we get the the authority, the the confidence of not just, we're not just running around doing stuff, but we're touching on those two realities. We're praying in what God is wanting to do in and through us, and it's going to be awesome. And we need every single person in order to fulfill God's plan for us, right? Amen. Y'all stand up. Worship team's coming. We're gonna just take a few minutes here to pray and respond to God. We do this at the end of every service, you guys, and and if you're visiting with us, a parent or whatever, just want to. This is a time to press in, like Lord, would you speak to us? Lord, would you help us to take this thing to the next level? Lord, would you uh, remove barriers and hindrances in my life? It might even be about vision, but but here's the thing. Lord, and I'm just going to ask in prayer, Father, in the name of Jesus, all around this room, would You give us tender hearts? Would You give us a tender frame about this issue of prayer? Lord, save us. Deliver us from pride and self-sufficiency, selfishness, insecurity, unbelief. Deliver us from these things. And where we need prayer, Lord, help us to get prayer. And Lord, would you release in us vision. Vision for changing the world through the prayers that we pray in every context that we gather in. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So I want to just encourage you to respond. Just if it might be a hindrance or a blockage, one of those kinds of things, then come and get prayer. Pray for breakthrough. And it might be a vision thing like, wow, I see that there's more here than what I was seeing. and to, I want the importance, the priority of prayer in my life. And it might be something very specific. I want to pray with my family. I want to pray with my wife. I want to pray with my children. Whatever that is, hey, you guys, let's get prayer. This is the, maybe the most important thing that's happened all morning is the prayers that God's going to answer right now as we pray. So, Father, in Jesus' name, meet us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And if you have any other need, of course, Please don't leave without getting prayer. Amen. You guys come. Be bold. Go for it. Every time there's an opportunity, go for it. Press into God. Amen.